Grace and peace. I am so thankful to be before you this morning. Nervous as all get out, yet thankful. Um, as I came to this text and thought of this text to be one I wanted to go over today, I had an original idea of the meaning. Um, no shameless plug, but uh, you know I have a, po- a podcast I host called Prescribed Truth, and the foundational verse for Prescribed Truth is Ephesians 4:25. And I had the idea of doing it because, uh, some of you know, my background, I came out of a cult. Um, so when I started Prescribed Truth, I wanted to be able to help others know what is false within the churches that they may be in and prayerfully come out with the truth of God's word. Um, so when I approached this text, I was thinking about everything we got going on in this culture right now and the, the need of truth in the midst of all the chaos and the uncertainty and everything else. And I had that idea when I approached it. But as I began to dig into the text and read it again, <laughs> it was like, wow. It, it, it began to focus inward. And I began to look at the body. You know, not so much as outward, you know, as far as us dealing with people outside of the church, but the church and, and, in the, and us individually. And so um, with that being said, I hope that this brings some encouragement to you guys as well as some conviction as we go forward as a body and grow as a family. So <clears throat> Ephesians, as some of you may notice, is maybe a reminder to some, is that Ephesians is broken up into two parts. You got the first half, the first three chapters being indicatives concerning who we are. You know, Paul takes that time just building up who God is and who we are in God and what that means and what that entails. In the last half, he deals with how we apply that truth, those absolutes that he gives us. And so, and so, and how we apply it to one another. And I love how, um, I'm going to say it again later on, but I love how it's broken down between, he starts with the body and then goes into how we deal with the family and then how we live in society. All those truths laid out in the first half affect how we live every day. And so with that being said, um, I would like to read as a context, um, verses uh, 17 through 25. So if we, um, from Ephesians 4, so if you would just stand for that portion of scripture as I read. I'll be reading from the NASB. All right, Ephesians 4, 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 
May the Lord add blessing to the hearing and the doing of his word and the reading. You may be seated. So you guys bear with me as I'm going to try my best to slow this down. <laughs> uh, but I, I really want this to be helpful. Um, this really hit me hard as I began to, as I was studying this. So although verse 25 can have many applications, we are going to focus on a direct context and application for now. And if time permits, I'll go into some other applications that we can use. Before we get there, we should take a very careful look at the verses leading up to verse 25. For the sake of time, I will give a basic summary of these verses and prayerfully tie everything into a pretty convicting bow at the end. Paul starts off Ephesians 4 with an exhortation to the church. Therefore, based on all we know and are assured of in chapters 1 through 3, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, walk here is talking about how we regulate our life, how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves. This is what Paul speaks of when he talks about walking. And then this walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And we think about calling, what, what has God called us to? He called us to salvation. All of us have been, this calling is one of salvation. It's a calling that's separate from anything of the world. Now, but with that calling comes great responsibility. And I don't, I don't know if we really look at it as such, you know, given where we may stand in life. But you think about in the world, positions people may hold when someone is called to a higher position, um, they're called to be president, or called to be an executive, whatever the case may be, there comes greater responsibility. And no one in those positions can operate without having particular skills, right? Without being equipped to be able to fulfill that role that they've been called to. So with natural callings comes great responsibility. Yet, according to the previous chapters, we are now thoroughly equipped and able to walk in a way that pleases our Lord, as chapter 2 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In verses 2 to 3, he tells us what that manner is, with all humility and gentleness, patience, tolerance, and love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Word diligent is is encouraging us to make this an op, uh, where we actively seek out opportunities to do this. You know, we're not just waiting around, but we are being active and being diligent to preserve the unity of the body. I mean, I'm sorry, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace within the body. Verses four through thirteen gives us the why and reasoning, our encouragement in being diligent in these areas. We are of one body and one spirit, called in one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And then, in that calling, there's grace given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. As the previous chapters tell us, that gift being our salvation. Is a gift of God. That's why we can't work for it or earn it. So each of us has been given grace. Now all these truths are going to flesh themselves out as we get towards the topic of this, um, of this sermon. Verses 14 through 16 lays out the general expectation of how we carry out walking in a manner worthy of our calling. He tells us, don't be children tossed here and there by waves or carried about by every wind of teaching 
from manipulative people. That's what we see all around us, the media and everything else, even family, friends, trying to manipulate us from following the way that God has prescribed for us to walk in. So don't be children tossed here and there. And I love how Paul, he distinguishes waves from the wind. So don't be tossed here and there about waves, how waves move you, right? But then also we're carried away by teachings. So life can happen, things can happen that carries us, that's tossing us around, right? But then also based on what we hear from people and what we gain from people, we can be carried away or carried about by false teaching and by from, from manipulatives of people. But then he says, to counter that, with speaking the truth in love, we grow in all aspects into Christ. In all aspects, he's talking about everything that makes God who he is. We grow in all aspects into him. We are growing to be made into the image of Christ, right? In all that entails. And he tells us that every individual part plays a very important role in the building up of the body in love. Verses 17 and on begins our context for how we are going to examine our walk. Verse 17 says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. There lies a contrast between walking in a manner worthy of the calling and walking as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Christians walk with all humility and gentleness and patience, tolerance and love. But how do the Gentiles walk? In the futility of their minds. Futility, I had to look this up and I really like this word. And I, I'm not going to butcher the Greek word of this, but I'll spell it for you if you want to write it down. <laughs> it's M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S. And the meaning, the underlying meaning is devoid of truth and appropriateness. This is how the Gentiles walk, devoid of truth and appropriateness. God is the standard of what is appropriate. They walk, their li- they live their lives, how they regulate. Remember, we talk about what walk is, how one, how one regulates himself, conducts himself. The world walks in a way that is inappropriate. No matter what good they may do, as it seems, it's inappropriate because they are devoid of truth. They are excluded and alienated of God, alienated from God, I'm sorry, giving themselves over to unbridled lust and shamelessness. That's the underlying meaning of the word sensuality, unbridled lust. Lust as a base as a base means desire, having a strong desire. Desire in and of itself isn't wrong, but it's unbridled. And this may, looking at this made me really appreciate how the Holy Spirit keeps us and guides us. It keeps us from going astray, right? Even when we find ourselves in weakness, the Holy Spirit draws us back with love. So, but the world doesn't have this. They're excluded from this. Now, as we go on, Paul says, but we did not learn Christ in this way. Paul then reminds us in verse 21 that truth is in Jesus. Now, in reference to our former manner of life, we lay aside the old man of self. The verse tells us the man, the old man is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. But after being renewed in the spirit of your mind, we put on the new man, which is in the likeness of God. Ha, well, I'm sorry, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness 
and holiness of the truth. Very interesting how that was one of our scriptures today. The apostle then goes on for the remainder of Ephesians, for the rest of the rest of the book of Ephesians, breaking down to us how we ought to live out various aspects of God's character in our daily lives, starting with the body, then with the family and within society. And but today we're going to focus on one particular aspect. Paul starts off his address to the Ephesians with the command, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. This wasn't a suggestion, but a direct command with the reason being that we are members of one another. And it's interesting, as I, as I said before, how I, how I looked at this text, I thought about my neighbor as being someone outside and somebody I'm, pe- I'm speaking apologetic truth to, right? The atheist, the Mormon, or whoever else I want to speak to. But here it says we are members of one another. This is the reason. This text is talking about the body, each of us. Laying aside falsehood, speak truth with each other for that reason. The portion of this text that is in all caps references a cross-reference from the Old Testament. Zechariah 8, 16. These, and it reads, these are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Notice and compare how Paul gives this command to speak truth as the beginning of how we are to diligently preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace from in verse 3. And makes direct connections to the prophet's exhortation to Israel to speak truth for peace in their gates as we are members of one another. The gates surrounding a city are only as good as the order that's being kept within them. According to God, this begins with laying aside falsehoods and speaking the truth to each other. Now... How are we not laying aside falsehoods? And this is where it got convicted for me, guys. Not being honest with each other. When we are going through times of weakness. Saying I am well when we truly are not. And I, <laughs> this hit me hard because I was thinking, guys. I too struggle with this. For years I've been asking the Lord to help me. As I see the body. That we're family. Right? And sometimes you're going through things and you don't want to speak about it. You don't want to talk about it. And someone asks you, how are you doing? And because we don't want to say, we don't want to get into it, or whatever case may be, we lie. And we say, I'm doing fine. All is well. When it's not. But this now, at that point, we're not laying aside a falsehood. And we're not speaking truth with each other. We have, we're not taking into account that we are members of one another and how you're feeling, it affects me too. It, I, it, I hurt because you hurt. I, I rejoice when you rejoice. And it was convicting, that was really convicting to me as I began to think about it. And I want to be more honest. Now, let me, let me throw in this caveat that I'm not saying that in a moment that needs to be a lot of detail given all the time, but there's no harm in letting someone know, I'm not doing good, please pray for me. You know, I'm dealing with some anger right now. Can't go into details right now, but please pray for me. Because that is, that's because we're members of one another, and we should love one another, and this is why we do it, because we love each other. Another reason that we don't <laughs> lay aside falsehoods another way is not being honest with the brother or sister when they are not walking in the manner that God has called us to. 
regardless if they are a, a fallen sin or beset in sin, or that you see them holding to things, like as we say in Scripture, talk about how we're not given into bad teachings, false teachings, and everything else. But you see a brother or sister kind of going into a direction, listening to things that is causing harm to themselves, right? And, but we're not wanting to say to avoid conflict. I've been guilty of this as well. We're not laying aside falsehood. And that's vice versa. You could be the one who is dealing with the sin, but not being honest to let someone know that this is what I'm dealing with. For the same reason, we're dealing with pride and not wanting to deal with conflict. Now, according to verse 15 and 16, or verses 15 and 16, the entire body of Christ is being fitted and joined together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. This causes the growth for the building up of the body in love. How can we build and grow if we walk in dishonesty? Matthew Hearing in his commentary states that truth is a debt we owe to one another. And if we love one another, we shall not deceive nor lie to one another. We owe it to each other to always be truthful, regardless if it may cause momentary pain. When it comes to the sin of lying, the world is most definitely guilty because they affirm that a profitable lie is much better than a hurtful truth. This is part of the old man that must be put off. See, in the world, the one telling the lie is the only one seeking to profit from their deceit. But God tells us that they themselves are deceived, but we all as a body profit from being honest with each other. In my studies, I came across an interesting analogy that brought me conviction. Think about it. Our natural body can only function properly if it tells itself the truth. If your hand touches something hot, but your hand tells your brain that the thing is cool, your hand will be severely burned. Yo, I was thinking about this and I was like, I'm thinking about your brain not sending the right signals to the hand to let it know that it's being burned. But it says that your hand is the one that's telling the lie. This, this goes into about saying that one of the, the first reason how we can not be honest and how we not laying aside falsehoods is that we going through something, right? We're, we're hurt, dealing with sin, whatever the case may be, and yet we're telling the brain, we're, we're telling the rest of the body, I'm cool, and we're not. And then while we're cool, we're getting burned, and we're hurting. And, this, and then, if the, I love this, this natural analogy because if the hand is not feeding, feeding the right signals to the brain, then the arm doesn't know to pull back because the hand can't pull itself back. And it's also how we as a body, we need each other. We need each other. And I've been so thankful <laughs> these past few months, man. So thankful for the body. So thankful for my brothers and sisters. You better come alongside me. Better be honest and say, I'm not cool. And for them to pull me alongside and love on me, pray for me. So grateful, man. This is important. It says, what is the reason that we should speak truth to each other while putting away lying and the lies from the world? Because we are members of one another. Now, here is an important truth. We were like the Gentiles, excluded from God and hearts hardened. But God called us to himself in truth and love. The Lord did not lie to us and tell us that we were doing good in his eyes when we weren't. 
He warns the entire world to turn from sin and place their hope in Christ for the salvation of their souls. This is the calling that we have been called to. And because God is true, we should be ready and willing at every opportunity to speak truth to one another. Praise and peace.